five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Cube Podcast. My guest this week is Mike Greenlee, Group President of MDA. It's been nearly a year since Mike was last on the show, and today we'll discuss MDA celebrating its 50th anniversary this month and the changes at MDA and parent company Maxar since Mike joined the company last year. Listen in. Welcome back, Mike, to the Space Cube Podcast. Thank you. Um, MDA has been in business for 50 years now. That's no small achievement. It's not easy to keep a company growing for long periods of time. You've been with the company now just over a year and know some of its history. How does a company stay relevant over such a long period of time? Um, I think in the case of MDA, um, it's the normal sort of Canadian success story whereby you have uh, kind of franchise um, highlight projects at home that you get in your home country. And uh, often those projects are larger and uh, you use those as the opportunity to advance your technology base um, and build your resume and qualifications. And then you, you spin off from those technologies, from those large programs into um, other new business areas or international export growth. So if you go back through the, the 50 years of MDA, for example, there's, there's lots of highlights there in terms of starting in satellite ground systems and getting contracts with the Canadian government. And then over time, ending up with over, I think, 70 ground systems in over 25 countries around the world. Um, over those over those multiple decades, um, you see anchor programs like uh, radar satellites, where you know RadarSat one leading to RadarSat two, and now RCM. Um, you know those large anchor programs, um, you know, give you a resume that you can then expand into to um, other areas of opportunity. Um, the robotics from Canadarm, um, and the, what's that spun out into in terms of international exports, and then derivatives for things like the medical sector. And then, uh, you know, the strong satellite manufacturing base in Montreal, um, which is, you know, over 60 years old now, um, which was started producing components for, you know, Canada's first satellites when Canada was a, a leader in, you know, being the first to have, um, you know, uh, satellite-based communication and direct-to-home broadcasting and the like. Um, and so all those, you know, satellites and the components that come out of Montreal build a business that you then end up selling to all the satellite manufacturers around the world. So in, in Canada, that's always the story. You get the, the anchor programs often with the government at home, and then you uh, develop capacity that you can export around the world. So that's definitely been MDA's success story as well. Now, in looking back at some of MDA's history, there are several highlights that obviously stand out. But in actually doing some research for this, what particularly uh, seemed to jump out at me was that um, growth really started with the acquisition of Spar Aerospace and the information products division uh, basically taking off. And both of those sort of happened around 2001. What's interesting to note with Spar, with the Spar acquisition, and which a lot of people seem to forget, is that Orbital Sciences, a U.S. company uh, that owned MDA between 1995 and 2000, and importantly also Spar. So... SPAR was actually the home of the Canadarm and related technology, and Canada's icon- iconic Canadarm was once the property of a U.S. company. 
I find that all fascinating. I don't think a lot of people understand some of the history there. But is the original Canadarm and the technologies derived from that program the most important acquisition and historical moment for the company? Um, I would say so from a brand recognition perspective as a minimum. Um, when uh, even recent polling, like polling that was done in 2008 of Canadians and talking about space in Canada, um, certainly um, the Canada arm was, you know, across the general population in Canada is Canada's most notable space achievement, um, a tremendous source of pride for Canadians. Um, polling that was then repeated this year or this past year in 2018 in the spring, um, the same pattern emerges, um, you know, well over 80% of Canadians are, you know, show a lot of pride around Canada arm and recognition of it. Um, even if they're not generally aware of the space program details, they pretty much, you know, everybody knows about Canada arm and what it is. So I think in terms of, um, you know, recognition of the company, put it on the map, connecting with Canadians. Um, I think that is definitely, you know, a key notable achievement. Obviously, there's, you know, other achievements that grow up from the roots of the company, such as, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, satellite um, uh, ground stations, multi-source satellite ground stations, or, you know, the whole synthetic aperture radar technology base. You know, those are strong technical achievements, and they've been very important for the, the volume of business that the company has conducted. Um, but in terms of notable achievements, recognition and connection with Canadians and worldwide recognition for accomplishments, uh, Canada Arm on Space Shuttle and Canada Arm 2 and Dexter on the International Space Station have definitely uh, stood alone as the as major highlights. So yes, that acquisition would have had a tremendous impact on the future of the company. Now, another important period and part of the history for MDA was that period between 2008 and 2010. Uh, the information product division was in a bit of a spiral due to the subprime mortgage problems in the UK. In Canada, the government, as with other countries, was dealing with the Great Recession. And, in, you know, MDA also tried to sell itself to ATK in 2008, which the government subsequently blocked. During that period, MDA began to lay off staff, which, which it had peaked at around 3,200 people globally at that time. MDA finally sold the underperforming property business in late 2010. This combined with a no, you know, with no long-term planning in Canada and few government space contracts uh, would eventually lead to the U.S. access plan. Looking back now, how do you view the ideas and the execution of the U.S. access plan for that period of time and as MDA is trying to grow? I think, um, you know, obviously any time that you needed to try to find a way to access a, you know, a larger world market, in this case, you know, half the world market of space or defense is probably in the United States. Um, so it certainly made sense to try to, you know, find a way to access that market to grow a larger corporate capability, um, especially at that time, like you say, um, based on, you know, where things were in terms of programs at home. Um, the the attempt to do the acquisition that was that was blocked as you indicate, um, you know I don't think there was like a, a flaw in the thinking. I think from a business perspective, uh, in terms of trying to advance the business, that was probably a good idea. Um, obviously, the government didn't agree, and they had the right to do so. Um, so it didn't work out. But you know, pretty agile response after that in terms of trying to find a way. Um, through acquisitions and organic uh, growth and the development to be able to access the United States market. So, you know, it, it, it was a, 
pretty novel, to be honest, um, when you look at what other companies have done. But most other companies in Canada, as you grow and you scale up, you get to a certain size and you start exporting out of the country. And then at some point, you know, a lot of Canadian firms of size will become part of a larger international corporation. That's a, a normal pattern of behavior that we see in all kinds of sectors across the country. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's going to happen at some point, most likely. Um, and, uh, you know, they managed to find a way to, to, to cause that on their own through some creative organic growth. Quite often, you don't, you don't see that. You, you, don't, you normally just see the acquisition. And of course, as we all know, it's very, very rare for the Canadian government to block something. So um, it was a, a bunch of good creative business leadership that would have caused that in the end. Now, one of the most uh, uh, interesting historical items came recently, uh, and that was uh, the Bank of Canada and its decision in 2013 to include the mobile servicing system, along with an astronaut, the Earth and stars on the new $5 bill. Uh, you know, at the time, um, you know, I think everybody was focused on, wow, this is really cool, the iconic Canada arm and the rest of it. It's all on, on, on the $5 bill, and now Canadians see it on a, on a daily basis. But, you know, one of the things I didn't ask at the time was, how did this actually came to be that the, that, that, that was actually uh, these emblems wound up on the, on the dollar bill, on the $5 bill? I don't know that story, to be honest. Yeah. I honestly don't know. Well, I, I haven't learned that yet. Certainly, MBA, I have a slide that I use in, in standard presentations about the source of pride for Canadians. And, uh, you know, certainly Canada Arm 2 and Dexter and the uh, space station on the back of the $5 bill is, uh, you know, is a tremendous one of those elements. Uh, there's, a, there's a $100 bill with uh, Radar Sat 1 on it. Um, and uh, into that phase of the company's accomplishments. And then there's a, a whole series of coins, probably over six coins that have, you know, various elements of robotics and satellite technologies on them over the years that, uh, you know, that have all come out of MDA. So, you know, we, we've had the honor really of working on some of Canada's leading technologies and being a key driver of innovation. And, um, you know, I'm assuming as the government trolls various topic areas uh, for, you know, uh, you know, currency emblazement, you know, some of it will be, leadership some of it will be social some of it will be environmental and some of it's innovation and technology and when they you know when the the decision makers go into the innovation and technology camp they're they're bumping into some of uh you know nda's work is a source of some of canada's key key achievements over the years which is which is excellent and uh certainly we're very proud of that yeah i'm gonna have to do some digging because that's a i think that's a story that needs to get out there so uh, i'll be I in, agree i'll yeah, be so i'll be in contact with your way. people <laughs> okay deal deal <laughs> all right so uh now as with all companies there are times where things are up things are down uh, this past year has seen some particular tough times uh and part of it had nothing to do with what mda slash maxar was doing it just circumstances uh the the stock price took a huge dive uh but you know before that you know the geocom market uh didn't recover to where people thought it might be uh ssl because of that uh maxar as the company has decided that some of those assets uh should be sold uh a short seller 
made a very public attack on the company. And then to add on top of that, uh, you know, you lost your flagship Worldview 4, 4 satellite. And uh, and now there are some shareholder lawsuits, which could cause some additional problems. Now, these are some hefty issues to deal with. How is NDA and its parent company, Maxar, adjusting to today's challenges? Um, from so, from an MDA perspective, um, I think you've noted in your in your description of the all the challenges in the last year, which seems like a pretty accurate list. Um, MDA is MDA, so MDA is still the the same 1,900 people across Canada and the same company that it's always been uh, doing its doing its business. Um, MDA is in a strong position. Um, it has strong long-term projects that has significant new opportunities, um, some recent contract wins that are positive and exciting, and uh, continues to be a strong financial performer and demonstrate leadership in Canada. So, you know, of those, let's call it 2,000 people in MDA that are working for me, um, you know, they're generally doing a great job and keeping their heads down and getting their work done and delivering value to their customers and figuring out how to expand around the world. So that's that's going on all the time, and it's it's great. Um, obviously, that's done in the context of, of Maxar, which you mentioned is uh, going through some challenges. And, you know, myself and my leaders are a member of that broader leadership team. And, uh, you know, we contribute and work on the solutions to those problems to the extent that we can um, every day. And so it, uh, it's an interesting time for sure as you're, you know, delivering a solid business and then contributing to, um, you know, the, the larger whole to ensure that uh, the whole thing continues to come together as strategically planned and, and grows into the future. So, um, you know, you get a few distractions, but um, dealing with all those large challenges, but it's definitely not getting in the way of MDA continuing to do a great job as it, as it moves forward into the future. Now, a lot of MDA's growth over the years has been through acquisitions. When I actually started to research this and looked at all the acquisitions, it was I was actually quite surprised at how many there were. Um, met, many of the deals were smaller, but in recent years, there have been some major acquisitions. The first was Space Systems Laurel in, in 2012, and then followed by Digi, Digital Globe. Now, did MDA bite off more than it could chew in acquiring Digital Globe? After all, it came with a, a heavy debt load and significant planned capital expenditures for the next few years to build the Worldview Legion constellation. Yeah, I don't know if it was more than it could chew. It certainly is a challenge, um, for sure, in terms of like the, you know, all the issues that you talked about that need to be raised in the company. Digital Globe is a very, very strong performing business. Um, extremely successful world leaders in what it does. Um, the teams there adapting to the, the, the loss of World D4 are doing excellent. Um, coming up with alternative plans and uh, working on uh, um, the development of future capacity and capability. So, you know, it, it continues to remain a very strong um, element of the, the new combined max are so um you know it's it's you know it'll definitely work out in the long run um despite the uh you know the, the challenges that you mentioned that have uh, bumped into us in the last year now in canada in the last year uh mda acquired uh neptec um going forward is mda looking at uh any other acquisitions or is that just on the back burner now um, nope, we always look at those things because um, you never know what can happen and what timing can happen. And, 
Um, obviously, the uh, as you've noted, uh, the size and shape of acquisitions that uh, any company does is going to vary over time, depending on your overall financial situation and what's going on. Um, so, you know, as a leadership team, we look at the future and our marketplace and where we can fit in. We're always looking for organic growth in terms of where we can invest our R&D and selling dollars and create new opportunities for ourselves. But we'll often also talk to people or people will approach us and then talk about, you know, the potential for an acquisition. So there's there's always a list that's uh, you know being considered and being discussed. Um, just the you know the timing has to be right, the fit has to be right, and then the size has to be right for the financial conditions of the day. And so um, you know you sort of never say never, and and keep these things available as options. But your ability to execute on them will will vary in the ways that I just said. Now we've seen some uh, pretty major consolidation in the U.S. Um, do you see more consolidation coming and uh, is Maxar, you know, because of its situation right now, potentially uh, vulnerable to a takeover, friendly or otherwise? Yeah, I don't have any particular, like, unique insights into that. I don't, I don't see any, uh, uh, you know, foresee any specific consolidation, uh, you know, coming in the future. Um, obviously, um, all of us out there that work in the sector of large corporations, publicly traded corporations, uh, you know, you're you're in the market. So, um, you know, there's always conversations going on every day, but uh, I don't see any trends happening towards uh, uh, increased consolidation that that I've seen. Hey, so uh, let's talk about some interesting things that have happened recently. Um, we talked last October about the Canadian Surface Combat Program, and you really couldn't get into it because uh, the contract was being negotiated. Uh, but this past week, we saw the announcement that the uh, contract is uh, moving forward. Uh, MDA are going into the design phase, and MDA is a partner and will design the uh, electronic warfare uh, suite system. How important is this contract to the company? It's uh, it's really important. It's exciting. Um, it's Can you know Canada's largest defense program to date um, in terms of the replenishment of the surface combatants for the country. Um, for us to have a tier one partnership role with Lockheed Martin Canada's team is is excellent. We're extremely proud of that position. Um, our work in electronic warfare systems integration, in addition to delivering you know key sensors and the electronic warfare suite for the ship is an excellent opportunity for us as a business. Um, it'll lead to a very good work stream over the next 15 years in Canada. In addition to generating uh, key new technologies or derivatives of technologies that we uh, are very confident we can export to the international market. So it, it really does drive uh, you know significant growth of a new line of business or an enhanced line of business, I guess I should say, in the, in the defense line of business moving forward into the future. So um, we're very excited about it. It's going to generate you know hundreds of jobs over, over the next uh, over the next couple of decades. Now like hundreds of jobs a year over the next couple of decades. Yeah. So yeah, so I'll, I'll get to a question on that in just a second. but I'm interested in, in terms of defense and MDA, um, what percentage of the company contracts, if you will, work is related to the defense sector? And do you see that growing uh, as, uh, you know, biting into, I suppose, or taking a larger share from uh, the other uh, areas that you work in? Yeah, I don't have the uh, percentage of our business as defense as a top of mind number. 
I'm going to get that for you in the future if you'd like it. I don't mind sharing that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we're certainly majority space, that's for sure, and a minority defense. Um, that is the overall posture of the company when you look across everything that we do. Um, defense will grow for sure. Um, there's a lot of opportunities um, in Canada, both for, uh, you know, defense in the air, land and sea environments, in addition to defense in the space environment over the next decade. Um, so we have a lot of opportunities in that sector. Um, the naval environment's been good to us. We've got the service combatant coming, as you mentioned. We've got the NATO Triton program we won last year, which has a lot of growth potential across the uh, NATO Naval Command and Control community. Um, our resume continues to be strong in unmanned aerial systems, um, and there's strong markets for UAV services in addition to UAV programs coming in Canada in the future. So um, I think all those things will combine to drive uh, very solid defense growth as we go through the next decade. Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, MDA's global staff peaked at around 3,200 in 2010. Uh, and since then, the company's seen a 40% reduction in, in the workforce. And a good portion of that was when the property business was sold off in 2010. And those people, especially primarily those UK-based people, uh, you know, left the company. So uh, in Canada, I believe you're at around 1,900 people. And that, I think, has been relatively stable for several years now. Um, with the Canadian Service Combatant Program um, and other defense contract wins that you've had, um, do you see a, a gradual uh, increase in, in, in staff uh, going forward? Like, I think there's always going to be ups and downs. Like I try to encourage the leadership and the teams to, you know, to make sure that they're always trying to optimize the capabilities of the company in terms of the numbers and types of personnel that we have in the various corners of the business to align with the work that we have and or the opportunities that we're pursuing. And so, um, you know, we always want to be adjusting, either adding or taking out people wherever it makes sense to make sure that we always have a strong business. I think that's what every strong business does. Um, and so I think you'll see that happen with us. So, you know, in some areas of the business, if, uh, you know, we need to adjust and go down, we will. In other areas, if we need to add to expand, we will. Certainly CSC, the Service Combatant Program, will um, require a, an increase in personnel in, in that type of program in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the electronic warfare suite side of the house. Um, we'll need to add, you know, programmatics, engineers, contracts, people, all that to be able to, you know, expand with that program as it, as it gradually kicks in. As, as you can imagine, a program of that size. Um, you know, there'd be a couple of years of, of, of design studies and analysis, and then you and then you finally get into it once you finalize the entire, uh, you know, ship design and, and the like. So, you know, it's a it's a gradual process to uh, to build up capability on a program of that magnitude. But uh, that definitely will cause an increase over time. Yes. So uh, another area that uh, MDA and Maxar as a whole has been looking at is satellite servicing. Uh, it's an emergency, uh, an emerging area that MDA has been working diligently at for years. Um, but recently, you, you terminated the contract with DARPA for the robotic servicing geosynchronous satellite program. Um, is that a sign? Uh, is that a signal uh, or a pullback? Uh, was that just based a, a business decision based on capital expenditures or was there something else in that? 
I think there's a combination of things. I think it was a, a business decision based on the program and uh, based on the uh, yeah capital investment profile at the at the time and the and the uh, the current view on that program of its returns. I think uh, I think we've been clear that you know we believe in the uh, honor of a servicing market and the future of it. Certainly, MDA as a business, uh, especially our uh, commercial space robotics lines of business and our sensor lines of business. Um, uh, have a number of opportunities with uh, on our servicing customers around the world, um, and those have been increasing in intensity over the past 12 to 18 months. And so uh, we we definitely continue to believe in that market moving forward. Now, is MDA still marketing the robotic kits for on orbit uh, servicing? Yep, we're marketing them. We're quoting them to people. We absolutely believe in uh, having a strong line of uh, commercial space robotics and sensors um, for you know business-to-business transactions in the on-order servicing market. And we would expect that as you know future markets like space mining, space manufacturing, and the like uh, engage in the future, that those commercial lines of robotics will continue to have increased relevance and even more opportunities moving forward. All right, I just have a couple more questions and probably in some areas where I'm sure you'd like to comment on. Um, what are you expecting, if anything, in the budget next month? What am I expecting? Well, there's a difference between expecting and just hoping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if any good budget year uh, in Canada in the space business, it's a, it's a new opportunity to re-hope that there'll be some conversation about an integrated space strategy for the company and the new opportunity to be able to see some uh, some financing for space in the future. Certainly, from our perspective, it's been pretty public the last six months that uh, the international community is is moving forward on uh, on uh, Lunar Gateway as an international program. Um, the uh, you know leadership of NASA was up in Canada earlier in the year, and you know very clearly they'd like to see uh, Canada contribute. Um, artificial intelligence-based robotics to the to this to this next space station that will orbit the moon, and uh, you know we're certainly hoping as a as a community, multiple countries, companies, I mean across the country, that uh, the Canada Canada commits to uh, to Lunar Gateway and continuing our leadership role and the provision of space robotics in the future. Now, going to the moon is is definitely something that's on the front burner in the U.S., in uh, China, in in Europe. Uh, we've got uh, and and the the U.S. in particular, NASA's administrator, administrator Jim Bridenstine has been very vocal about, "Hey, Canada, we want you and we need you." Um, you know, yet another opportunity is coming up with the budget. Do you, do you think that at least as a signal, uh, the government, uh, you know? We'll take this opportunity to finally say we're in. We're certainly hoping so. Canada needs to. Um, they, we need to commit now. We need to make a full commitment now uh, to providing the robotics for Lunar Gateway in response to uh, Administrator Bridenstine's request of NASA. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a 2019 decision that has to be made. That commitment that needs to be made now for us to hold our place on the team. Um, NASA is very clear that they. They respect and appreciate Canada's expertise that's developed over the last 30 odd years through the space shuttle and the space station in this area. Um, you know, we are the country that has demonstrated the capacity to do this. We've done a good job, and we have the expertise to to do it again. Um, it's going to be even harder this time. When you take a space station today that orbits the Earth at you know 400 kilometers up, and now we want to put a space station up to orbit the Moon 400,000 kilometers away. 
So, you know, the, the need to have highly reliable robotics with now an artificial intelligence base, you start to cue in on core Canadian strengths. We have a strong AI-based community in Canada. We have a strong robotics community in Canada. And we've got the space heritage over the last 30 years behind us and doing this kind of work. So it, it definitely is the moment to be doing this for sure. Now, um, you know, my sources told me that uh, the decision was supposed to have made by the end of uh, 2018, but then we got into the shutdown in the U.S., and that put uh, everything on the back burner. Things are just starting to get back uh, into sync uh, at NASA, and by this time, we normally have the budget numbers uh, for the following, uh, for their following fiscal year starting uh, in uh, November, uh, but we don't have those numbers yet, and I suppose uh, uh, they've given a Canada, I suppose, a little more time uh, to to come up with a decision. But I would think that uh, by now the U.S. will have said, you know, you have to make a decision. And I, I would think, just my perspective, that the government's already made the decision, but uh, we just don't know about it yet. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have any particular insights into that. No, so, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. You know? Yeah. So last year, MDA took the lead in creating the Don't Let Go Canada campaign, in part to raise awareness in Canada of the importance and need to fund the space program. Um, will the campaign continue if the upcoming Canadian budget doesn't signal a change in space policy and future funding? It's very interesting, actually, that you asked that. One of the things, certainly, the campaign was created. Um, in response to many requests by people across the country, including members of the government itself, to say, like, you know, uh, you know, tell us what Canadians think about space. And uh, some Ipsos polling last spring, like I mentioned earlier, showed that Canadians are very strongly in favor of our role in space. And uh, But then part of that was that people just, you know, needed a bit of education to remind themselves what we've accomplished over the last 50 years in space. You know, Canada being the, the third country into space, after the United States and, and, and Russia you know, has accomplished a lot in the last 50 years. And so, you know, reminding people what our position is in space and what now the nation has as a result of that in terms of a sector with over 24,000 employees and $5 billion of economic activity and the like um, is, in, is important to remind people of that. So the campaign, you know, did that. One of the things that's come out of that is that people like this conversation. They like learning, remembering, being reminded about what Canada's accomplished in space and uh, the dialogue around what the future opportunities are, which is also part of the Don't Let Go Canada campaign. And we have been asked by some to say, like, you know, don't don't stop this thing. Like, keep this thing going. Keep it as a, as a sustained communication channel so that we can, you know, keep talking about all the things that we do in space and what we can do next. So that's, that's absolutely in discussion right now is, you know, how can we keep this, uh, how can we just keep this as a, as an ongoing conversation as just a, um, you know, continual reminder of what we've accomplished and, and what we could do in the future. So we're in meetings discussing that right now. So does that mean the government might actually <laughs> provide some funding to promote, keep promoting this? <laughs> I have no idea about that. I'm, I'm, uh, I haven't heard that conversation yet. Well, I think we'll take, uh, we'll just worry about funding Lunar Gateway for now. We won't worry about the government. Ah, okay, funding there you go. Like, okay, yeah. Without the Lunar Gateway. We can, Gateway. We can take care of that ourselves, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll focus right. on Lunar Gateway. Uh, just two more questions. So, or actually one's a qu- one question and one comment. So, um, Techstars and Starburst announced a new Los Angeles-based space accelerator uh, that Maxar is going to be a part of. Is MDA planning on being involved in any accelerator programs in Canada, or are you in any programs that I'm not aware of? 
Yeah, so we're not uh, in any particular programs right now. We've created um, our own thing called MBA Launchpad, which right. is not an accelerator or investment program per se, but it is our portal into MBA where we have full-time staff and engage with small to medium enterprise and academia across Canada. And we look for opportunities to you know, talk about you know, their businesses, what they need, what we can do for them, what they can do for us, and uh, you know, how we can help uh, ourselves in the future and help them scale up in the future. And that's only about sort of six months old, five or six months old. We've already got over 60 conversations going on across the country. And, uh, it's, and, it's, and it's exciting. And that, that could lead to, um, you know, it's a different type of acceleration, but it's, it's us working together collaboratively to accelerate each other's future. So that's, that's one thing. Um, we are in conversations with um, various um, sort of investment fund types environments or incubator type environments for space. Um, and uh, that's a, a regular dialogue that we are reviewing and considering a number of different proposals on, you know, where and how we can get involved uh, with activities. And it is interesting to see that there are opportunities to do so in Canada now, um, for sure, because we have a strong space economic base in the country. We're now seeing um, things like Creative Destruction Labs in Toronto with its latest, you know, 25 sort of funded uh you know, space programs um, that's going on, and we're seeing other groups looking at similar types of activities. So we are in dialogue with people trying to figure out, you know, what MBA's role should be and all that right now. All right. So uh, the last point to discuss is going back to the original uh, discussion, which was MDA's 50th uh, anniversary. So I believe the actual date was February the 3rd. Was there a, uh, you know, little parties that happened at each of your, your offices at that point? Um, it didn't happen on that day. We're actually going to do that in a few weeks. I think around February 20th, we're going to do that. Um, and then we're having a a bit of a larger celebration up in Ottawa one evening on February the 25th, where, you know, hopefully a few hundred people will get together in our, in the broader community of customers and industry partners and friends and, uh, and, and get together and, uh, you know, sort of have a toast to 50 years there as well. Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for, for being my guest on the show. Uh, I think it was about uh, 10 months ago I last had you on. Uh, you know, maybe we should touch base in six months and uh, we'll be talking about the Lunar Gateway and a, a bunch of other things. There'll be uh, lots of lots to happen in the next in the next few months for sure. So I look forward to that. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube Podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com/spaceq. We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, Please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.